0: I believe in one thing, definitely, that you need to have a strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, strategy is like an immune system. Mm-hmm. Of uh, it, You cannot touch it, you cannot feel it, you can't measure it, right? Mm-hmm. But it is the one that actually protects you.
1: Hey, what's going on, guys? Today I interview British Sanyal. Pridish is the Director of Business Development at Hype Asia. So just so you guys can see what I'm talking about right here at HypeAsia.co. Hype is a team of passionate venture builders that helps startups demystify, unlock, and succeed in Asia. So what they do, you can read right here, is we are passionate venture builders who help startups expand into Asia by leveraging our local market expertise, operational networks, and proven experience. We partner with founders and investors to scale their businesses into pan asian markets. We expand the addressable market potential for our partners, work hand in hand with stakeholders to build long term winning businesses. So, they work with people that want to expand their business into Asia and they help them with their local market expertise. You can see Pritish right here. Again, he is their director of business development, and you can see his long list of accomplishments and companies that he has worked with. I highly encourage you guys to go visit Hype Asia as they're working with a lot of interesting companies. In particular, Priddish is working with Circus, a company that helps. Uh, event companies to acquire customers and partner with brands that need people that are going to be attending their events. So again, this is British Sanyal, and without further ado, I will get to this interview. Sure, please. Okay, wow, uh, definitely. So the first one is, you work at a venture builder called Hype. Can you tell people what a venture builder is and what some of your you know roles and responsibilities are at that venture builder?
0: Sure. Hype Asia is basically a unique uh, venture building model. So what we do is we help growth, say, startups or businesses actually scale in different markets across Asia. Now, this could be a business in Singapore within Asia and who wants to scale and build a landing team in Hong Kong, China, Korea, wherever that may be. Or it could be a Western startup, which is based in the US or Europe. And they want to come and set up their landing teams uh, in Asia. So, what we do basically, we look at them as partners and we come in with a model which is called build, operate, transfer, where we come in as interim GMs or growth advisors. Because we have the understanding of the local market across mm-hmm. different regions and countries in Asia, we help them actually build their landing teams, which is build the supply, build the demand, build the initial uh, operations
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then transfer the business back. So, and we do this in a period of six to nine months, which is basically rapidly scaling, uh, their business into a new region.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, there's, that's, there's a lot of directions. We could go with that. Uh, one really quick, uh, directly related to that is, you know, if you're trying to scale in a new you know location, as you said, with the landing team, it sounds like there's a lot of different ways you could approach that. This might be too general of a question, but what channels have you found, you know, whether that's direct face to face or specific type of online advertising that you, it's like a go-to for hype to scale some of these companies. Are there any?
0: Yeah, they are great. That is a great question. Um, we, when we started this model off, uh, we were like looking at what would be the best way to optimize our time. And, um, Get to the right partners, right? Mm -hmm. Because there are a lot of startups which raise money, but they may not be in the expansion mode. Yeah. So, what we did, we tried different models. uh, And the most effective model to date has been actually working with investors and VCs Mm -hmm. uh, people who are in the ecosystem who are investing money into startups Mm -hmm. who need to scale. So, we actually work with a lot of uh, investors and experts in the region Mm -hmm. as well as uh, in the West who already know among their portfolios, which one needs to scale. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. we actually reach out to them and then they make an introduction. Because we are a small team of nine people. So we in a year would probably do four to five maximum projects. Yeah. uh, Because once we lock ourselves into a project or uh, scaling a business, Mm -hmm. we cannot lock out of it. Yes. So we have to be very, very cautious who we start to partner with and where we can add tremendous value.
1: Okay. So for you, for hype itself, trying to bring business in, your best channel has been working with VCs and their portfolio companies. Yes. So the other question I was wondering about, which that's another topic, how you get business is for the companies you're working with. Are there any that you, you guys hype the channels you use for them that have worked well in Asia? Because for instance, you know, here in the U S in the last year or two, Facebook advertising was a channel every company was using Yeah, um, you know, among all the other ones they were testing. Is there anything yeah. similar for companies in Asia? I mean, is, are all the channels the exact same or are there ones, you know, I'm thinking of all the social media apps people use there that maybe aren't even used in the US?
0: Right. Um, in terms of social media channels, I think in, in Asia, it mm-hmm. is very, very different in different regions. Uh, but obviously countries which have English as a language is a prominent language they do have the Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, LinkedIn Mm -hmm. as the core social media products that work. Mm -hmm. But definitely the minute you leave countries, which are not English focused like Korea, Russia, China, they have their own social media products going on. And these are the nuances we need to understand. Uh, If you look at Hong Kong, I'll just give an example, right? Though this is an English speaking region um, uh, in Asia, Twitter doesn't have a strong presence. Mm -hmm. Uh, WeChat also doesn't have a strong presence. It's actually Facebook and Instagram, which actually has the massive uh, mass following here Mm -hmm. and LinkedIn. Yeah. But the minute you actually walk into China, you're talking about Baidu, the Google search representative, then there is Weibo, then there is WeChat and many different things, but obviously those products are very China centric. Yeah. The minute you go to Korea, the search engine and products that work on Naver, when you go to Japan, it is Yahoo. When you Mm -hmm. go to Russia, it's Yandex. Mm -hmm. So different regions, uh, different social media products, but there is sort of a unification uh, where English is used at a certain, certain uh, optimum level.
1: Okay. Yeah, that seems that seems like that could get pretty difficult, the the learning curve for marketers if you're moving around to any of these countries. Negative. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the project. Um okay, so you're at hype. I saw that you it looked like you're working at a portfolio company or the project you're on for circus. Is that the yeah. case? And I saw that, you know, circus it says offers uh it says circus is a platform to curate a targeted group of tastemakers for clients. So I was just wondering what tastemakers are. Can you talk about your work at Circus, why you're working with that yeah,
0: company? Sure. So Circus is actually a very interesting product. Mm-hmm. Um it is basically in the event space. So what it does, it connects event goers and event organizers.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Uh, let let me give you an example. Let's say um Nike. Nike wants to organize uh, a launch event, right? And it needs a target audience of, let's say, 18 to 25 year old, right? Who have a certain income level, who they want to want to attract and come to this launch event. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Circus actually provides that access to Nike to aggregate these users to come and attend these launch events for certain incentives, maybe exclusive access. Uh, could be some giveaways where they are actually getting the target audience to come in. Now, traditionally, how that would be do- been done is that Nike would work with an events agency or a PR agency
2: mm-hmm.
0: or spend money digitally, Google or Facebook, right, mm-hmm. to attract the audience to come and attend. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's actually, in a way, disrupting uh, how events work. Yeah, traditional event line.
1: partnerships. Yeah,
0: yeah. So the thing is, when we look at such businesses, we look at if they are going against the conventional wisdom.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Eight years ago, lending your room out or lending your car or using your car as, um, as a service mm-hmm. was not a conventional wisdom thought. Yeah. That is where actually disruption sort of happens. Mm-hmm. When you're going against what the society believes in. Yep. Circus is actually at that cusp because when we go pick circus, a lot of people think, huh, is this going to work? I've never seen such a product. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that is where the challenge comes in. That's where we are excited about. Yeah. So no,
1: that, that certainly is. And is this only for the Asian market or is circus aimed at everyone? Or are, are people going to be trying to use, are you trying to pitch circus for us customers as well?
0: Us customers as well. This is the best part. Circus just launched a digital activation. So physical activation is where Nike wants, Physical people to come and actually interact with the brand. Yeah, and then we are working on digital activation, which is basically getting reviews, uh, getting app downloads, getting uh, people to actually look at uh, streaming online casinos mm-hmm. for people to actually come and look at uh, you know fantasy football and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Which basically is aggregating consumers from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's say there's a fantasy football or a the online casino in China, which wants to attract uh, U.S.-based users, right? So we can mm. actually set up a digital activation for them to attract U.S.-based customers. Yes, present circus so. has half a million uh, consumer base in the U.S., mm. and now we are starting their Hong Kong expansion. Then we are planning to take them to two different markets within 2018, and see how that grows. So it's very very exciting. Uh, it's a non-conventional business model, yeah. uh, um, but at the same time, there is definitely a market for it to grow. Yeah. So it's going to take uh, us a lot of, uh, lot of effort. Um, how soon can we get the market to actually be convinced about it? We actually are seeing good traction in Hong Kong um, and people are considering considering the product. Mm-hmm. And definitely in the US, it has done pretty well for itself. Um, to actually go forward and build such a huge consumer base um, and convince users and event organizers to actually use the product.
1: Wow, that's impressive in the US. I would have thought there'd be a lot of competition for event organization apps and or any type of company in that space in the US. Is that not the case?
0: Well, the diet competition, if I may, uh, is just, uh, there is like a Facebook or a Google, right? Which is... Mm. At best, uh, click advertisement or uh, download advertisements or uh, registration advertisement, right?
1: You have to build the systems from the ground up, yeah.
0: Exactly. Here we are saying, hey, we have a very activated user base. Yeah. And we know what age bracket they are, what they're looking for. And if you have a certain product that you want to bring in front of them or a certain service in front of them, we can help you do that.
1: So are you guys... Forgive me if this is completely off. Are you guys figuring out what their audience is, creating lookalike audiences and offering them targeted incentives that you've partnered with the company to offer, basically to bring warm warm leads into the company?
0: Exactly, yes. Okay. And this is all yeah. performance based. So there mm. is an upfront payment. Mm. Uh, so this is the best part about it's- uh, So for these companies, it's
1: like plug and play. Like you work with them and Nothing. then they don't have to handle any of that systems building. It's just slap it on, Nothing. circus. Nothing. Mm. Right. Uh, yeah that is that sounds really valuable. I know a lot of companies would kill and not have to deal with that mess of yeah. a you know system uh, building project
0: so that's very exciting and um the c e o stephen uh stephen sorry um he was the initial four employees of groupon, so he definitely knows how to scale <laughs> businesses uh um, valuable yeah uh, and he definitely has an understanding. So if you look at Groupon, right, when it yeah. started off, mm-hmm. it wasn't a concept that the market would have just accepted. No. Yeah, so they had to work for that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So obviously, uh, this business has the right CEO in place mm-hmm. who actually understands what unconventional ideas are.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, so wow.
0: that makes the uh, the company very, very exciting.
1: Yeah, that's really exciting. Wow, you guys must be... No wonder you're at the office. So right? that's that's exciting thing to work on. Uh, that's awesome. So, oh, lucky you. So, okay, before hype, how did you get to this point in your career? Because I think a lot of people are wondering. Um, you know, and a lot of people watching this probably want to become you know entrepreneurs, do something on their own. So yeah. you've you've really it seemed like taken a lot of stepping stones to leverage your career to get to the point you're at now. So how did you exactly get there? Are there any are there any takeaways that could help other people watching this?
0: Um. I think I believe in one thing definitely that you need to have a strategy Mm -hmm. Uh, strategy is like an immune system Mm of uh, it. You cannot touch it. You cannot feel it. You can't measure it. Right. Mm -hmm. But it is the one that actually protects you. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a fact, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, And when I started off, I started off at Accenture and worked there for five years and Mm -hmm. I was in pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I did my first startup back in India in 2008 when Startups was not a thing to do. Yeah. Um, and smartphones were just introduced in 2007 by iPhone, the concept. Um, and since then, my journey started in startups and small businesses. Um, and since then, I have been in like uh, pharmaceuticals, e commerce, hospitality, education, uh, food and beverages. Yeah, I saw you have a huge art.
1: background, like everything. Yeah.
0: I have actually gone through a few industries and in depth.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so that gave me a lot of insight to where the market is when I landed in Hong Kong after my MBA, mm-hmm. uh, again, startups wasn't a very popular thing here. Uh, the startup trade started off late 2012, 2013 yep. and then suddenly took off. Um, and a lot of people are trying to get into that space, which is great um, yeah. because startups that we are working with, the startups that are going to come up are going to be the next corporations of the world. Mm-hmm. No, no denial, right? Yeah. Facebook and Google are the IBMs of the world now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's great. But I think a lot of people come in thinking of quick wins. That doesn't ever happen. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of hard work. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people see startups from the outside as if they're very sexy um, and very lucrative. Mm-hmm. That's actually not the case. Um, startups are very difficult
2: mm-hmm.
0: to take or, take anything off the ground it 's like you know giving birth to a baby and making <laughs> it learn and feed and you know all that stuff yeah uh, but at the same time, I think what I have realized about entrepreneurship is this: you don't need a true entrepreneur who really really has an itch to build something mm-hmm. will go and build it irrespective of what age. Stage or situation they are in, mm-hmm. they will not stop. But if you are asking people to validate, "Hey, should I go become an entrepreneur?" Then I think you're not ready yet, or you're not onto an idea that is idea which is actually burning you up. Yeah, like I have met people who are entrepreneurs when they had full-fledged families, right? They had they didn't have money, <sighs> uh, and. They had all the reasons. If I look at them, I would probably advise them, man, you (laughs) should get a job, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Right. But this person would go ahead and still do it. Yeah. These guys are not waiting for anybody else to validate it. Yeah. So when people ask me that, should I become an entrepreneur? That's when I know that they don't want to be an entrepreneur. They're just trying to ride the wave. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, There are other people who come in and say, Hey, I have this idea. I've already started the website. Then I know that this person is really serious about this. Yeah, but that doesn't confirm anybody's success. Success comes from grit um, and absolute determination of not giving up. That's what it is. Um, And I've worked across multiple, multiple ideas, multiple teams. I think one thing that I've really realized by working with a lot of startups
2: mm-hmm.
0: is that the ultimate thing is your team. An average idea can be turned into a huge success by a brilliant team. Mm-hmm. A brilliant idea which, whose time has actually come will turn into dust if the team is average or doesn't work well with each other.
1: Yeah, yes, yes, that's, I've heard that and I've definitely experienced it. Um, yep. that's, that's awesome. So you talked a lot about you know, teams and you've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs. Why did you decide you wanted to work in Asia? Is there any reason? What do you like about working there, or working with Asian entrepreneurs?
0: Uh, one, I got lucky uh, that I was born in Asia. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, second thing is that I think there is so much of opportunity. I see US as a holistic market. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is brilliant. I think it's like you're trying to solve a problem from in, in a given set, Mm -hmm. uh, which is brilliant. Mm -hmm. Um, Asia, I think has its own challenges, but I think at the same time, there's so much unmet need. Yes. Right. For products, which have actually uh, figured out the product market fit, Mm -hmm. the scalability is a high possibility Mm -hmm. across multiple markets. Yes. Yeah. Um, also, the other thing that we realize because of being here and the boom of startups is that finding money or investors is not that difficult. If you have actually figured the right product, mm-hmm. right pitch, and you have been able to show traction. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because um, I know that a lot of, uh, lot of entrepreneurs do say, hey, no, money is difficult. Investors are difficult. The reason being, being difficult is because there's something wrong with the pitch. Yeah. Or they're just not approaching the right person.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Because again, I would give the examples of there's so many people who are raising money, how they're doing it. They don't have a magical wand.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I think in some cases, you know, like you said, the team, if there's anything off about the team, I know that that would be a huge turnoff. And it's, that's kind of a hard thing to deal with. If your team's not perfect, it's like, get rid of somebody and get, get the perfect guy. It's like, how do you deal with that? Um, besides that problem though, that's obvious. Anyone on the team would know that, uh, when somebody's pitching investors, do you think it's actually easier if you have a company with traction to get money in Asia versus the U S right now?
0: I think having traction anywhere is, uh, is more worthwhile for an investor than not having traction. Yeah. Um, and as, as you would also agree with me that ideas are, worth pennies. Mm. Execution is everything. Yeah. Right. One yeah. user paying user is better than zero users.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So validation comes from when people actually start using the product. Right. So when you go to an investor and you pitch and say, Hey, I have 10 users, then I have zero users. It doesn't really make me that compelled about the whole, whole idea.
1: <laughs> yes, right. understandable. Yeah.
0: So I think uh, validation by users definitely is, um, and that's why we always believe in MVP. Even this is as simple, right? Yeah. Founders who actually set up a dummy website, yeah. right, and say, "Hey, this is my idea, or this product is coming out. Will you sign up?"
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Even that level of validation is worth than nothing. You know, if you can tell me, hey, 300 people signed up for this uh, LaunchRock website, yeah. where I just said, hey, this is, this is my uh, service offering. That's worth more than saying, hey, this is my brilliant idea. This is the market size, and this is how I'm going to go about it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Right?
0: So that's always very, very key. Yes, at the same time, um, Asia is becoming very competitive because there is a lot of supply of uh, labor, Mm -hmm. good people, intelligent people, Mm -hmm. very hardworking. Mm -hmm. Um, So replicating a business or creating a business from scratch isn't the biggest challenge here. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of things and nuances that you need to understand for each market that Asia entails. Mm -hmm. Um, and how user adaptability happens, um, how, uh, user acceptance happens, uh, different products have different scale rates depending on what kind of a product it is. B2B, B2C marketplace, two <laughs> so way marketplace. The way you're so
1: describing it, it makes me, it makes me feel like if you didn't grow up there, it's just that you have no shot because there's, it sounds like ev- there's so much nuance with the different geographic regions, cultural regions. Language barrier. Yes.
0: Um, that absolutely. Like yeah. I'm not saying that you don't have a chance, but I'll give you an example, right? Great. I I love Uber and I use it around the world. Yep. But the reason I think it has not been able to actually scale in Asia
2: mm-hmm.
0: is because it never localized its product to the granular level.
1: How so? What do you what do you mean? I, I mean I, I could picture what you're talking about, but what exactly do you mean localize it to the granular level?
0: Um They tried to do what Walmart did in the late 90s and 80s, I don't know, whenever they came to China, is that they just took the US model and just tried to implement it across different markets. Uh, Yeah. Right? That doesn't work. The reason they have not been put out of Southeast Asia and China Mm -hmm. is because their competitor has a better offering. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Probably has the same level or may not be of the same level offering. But what it has that it has been able to actually understand the needs of the user from the ground up, yeah. Provide services which Uber didn't provide within this, this sector of transportation. Yes. Yeah. So, so it has been able to. So everybody who has competed against Uber and survived in Asia is because they have understood the nuance of the market.
1: Yeah. So when you when you say that, I, I think of. You know, Walmart scaling, walking into a store here is similar to walking in a store in Asia, whereas, you know, the, whatever, USP for Uber, hailing a cab from the street and having it come up to you and not having to get your wallet out when you leave may not be something people on the ground in potentially places that have completely different conditions care about. They might not even want that. Um, What are some of those differences? Like, what are some of those services? What are they offering that Uber? Just so people have a concrete idea of what we're talking about.
0: So give you an example, though, Uber's biggest market outside US is India, that's what I've heard. Mm-hmm. I haven't validated that. Okay. Uh, within India, the biggest competitor is Ola. Okay. And Ola today provides a number of other transportation services than Uber provides in India. Yes. Right. So the segmentation of transportation services that a competitor is providing in a market like, what, what are those? What are, um, Ola, uh, Ola provides auto service. So, tuk-tuks.
1: That's exactly what I was thinking. I wasn't sure. Yeah. So, they actually yeah. provide different types of transportation that might not exist exactly. in the U.S.
0: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, Uber doesn't provide tuk-tuk service in India. You
1: need to get on that tuk-tuk service. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's, that's interesting. Oh.
0: Yeah. So, the thing is that and also Ola has been able to penetrate into second tier cities in India much faster mm-hmm. than Uber has been able to.
2: Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Ola has been able to scale its team much faster mm. than Uber has been able to.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: And actually India was the first market where Uber started taking cash in place of actually paying through. That the That seems
1: active. like such a difficult problem to solve, taking cash.
0: Yeah, specifically for Uber, which had which it had no never systems. done around the world, mm-hmm. right? So I think the first market that they started off with, where they had to accept cash because the market was not there to actually pay through credit cards or through their through their apps, was mm-hmm. India. Mm-hmm. So they did go to that level.
1: <laughs> That's crappy. That's a lot of work. Um, so do you see hype ever? Scaling to assist companies, maybe not uber sized, but on that level that are trying to get into industries like that, like compete against companies like Olaf, uh, in these regions where they just don't understand how to, how to scale, uh, to the granular level.
0: So you see hype competing with somebody,
1: uh, hype helping, uh, instead of companies just get off the ground, like larger companies, you know, that are trying to not, not scale. That was the wrong word, but, um, expand into these regions where they need more granular, Ground-level modification on their product.
0: That's exactly what we expertise in. Mm-hmm. We actually fr- uh, front with everything which is localization, mm-hmm. right? If you don't understand what is the nuance mm-hmm. of your target customer segment, mm-hmm. what are the language barriers, uh, what are the language requirements, right? Uh, we don't actually even take such projects up. So we definitely start with localization first. Mm-hmm. We are very operational heavy. So when we come in as interim GMs or growth advisors, we actually start from understanding where the market is, who are your competitors, what is their product positioning? What are you offering? What is where's the white space? And when you have identified that white space, you actually figure out how do you localize for that white space? Mm-hmm. Because without doing that, because I'll give you an example of Hong Kong. Hong Kong has a 7.4 million population, mm-hmm. roughly 300,000 are expats and 7 million is the, um, the locals or the, uh, who, who actually speak Cantonese, okay. local language, right. Mm-hmm. A lot of, um, startups come into Hong Kong and start actually targeting the expats, which is like 300,000 users. That's it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they don't even think of actually localizing for the local market, which is 7 million population.
1: Just cause they don't even know how to start tackling that problem. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And by the time they actually realize that they have burnt in so much of time, money, energy, right? Mm-hmm. Either they would need to start again, spend that money again, re- uh, set up the right team mm-hmm. and then go about it. But by that time, the market has already accepted the product the way it is. So I, being an expat in Hong Kong, I'm getting targeted by everybody who is left, right, and center, who's not looking at a market of the 7 million.
1: Yeah, and all your friends that aren't, they just aren't getting all these ads, they're not exactly totally ignored and potential yeah. customer base. Yeah.
0: So yeah, these are the nuances that we, we've actually forward our hypothesis with. Mm -hmm. But you need to understand the local market and the competition. If you don't do that, then you are just probably very high possibility when you just burn through money um, and not optimize your entry strategy. Mm.
1: That's awesome. Sounds like hype will have a lot of business um, in the future. So I just have two more questions. Uh, One, one specific, one general. Uh, So hype, where do you, do you see yourself in five years? Do you plan on staying with hype and trying to grow with them or do you, Plan on taking off with one of these portfolio companies, or?
0: Well, I think hype is at a very exciting stage. It's a very yes. exciting model, um, okay. um, and we definitely plan uh, to stick around. Uh, I definitely plan to, mm-hmm. because I get to see so many ideas, so many founders, so many investors, and their brilliant ideas, um, and how they plan to execute it. Because we are constantly learning from them,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? What their vision is and helping them implement it on the ground. Mm -hmm. So there is no better way to learn operations and execution, uh, than to actually do something at hype throughout multiple startups across industries. Yes. So I think that's an exciting uh, space to be in. And because we dedicate and succumb into these businesses like circus for nine months Mm -hmm. and we get the opportunity to actually not only build it in one market, but help them grow through multiple markets and do their Asia expansion, I think that's a very exciting space to be in.
1: Mm. Yeah, it definitely it definitely sounds like exciting work.
0: Yeah, uh, it's challenging when when we say exciting, if they cannot yeah. be exciting, which is not challenging.
1: That's so true, yes, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. And yeah for everyone that doesn't know, this is, uh, I guess it's eight, God, it's almost nine o'clock Hong Kong time, or 10 o'clock yeah. and you're in the office, yeah. so. Long day. Uh, long day, So, yeah, last sure. last question uh, would be uh, for for entrepreneurs specifically that you know they, they want to start something on their own, start something on their own with a team. Well, what you talked about strategy earlier, what strategy would you have for them? What advice in terms of types of education or resources they should use? Like any any advice you'd have for those people?
0: Sure, um, I think let's start with education, right? Yeah. Um, I think there is no specific education that you need to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have met, I'm sure you would have met a lot of people from different walks of life, people who Mm -hmm. have studied science all all their life, have been doctors uh, or done general business degrees, Mm -hmm. walk into uh, entrepreneurship and do an amazing uh, job there. So education wise, I don't think you need to have anything in specific. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a lot of available content online courses um, that you can go through. Yes, definitely. I would suggest now a lot of content is coming online, which is not that great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, I would very be very about that. Um, but again, I think they're good resources to follow. Y Combinator uh, is definitely something which is a not star. Uh, Paul Graham's blogs. So are good. Very good. So um, good. Yeah. And I completely understand why he takes sometimes six months to even write one piece. Yeah. And it probably takes me a year to even understand what he wrote.
1: <laughs> I think "How to Create Wealth." I think that's what it's called. is like my favorite essay ever that he wrote. It's so good. Yeah. It
0: it's is just amazing, right? So there is a genius level content available free. Mm-hmm. So if anybody tells me that I need to get educated to be an entrepreneur, I think they haven't figured it out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, second, I think in terms of tools and resources, again, umpteen number of tools and resources available. Mm-hmm see, there are two ways of looking at it, right? If you're not Elon Musk or trying to solve a problem like Elon Musk, you need to first build demand. Then you build supply. Mm -hmm. Because what Elon Musk is trying to build, and I'm not saying that he's the only person, I'm just giving an example. What he's trying to build doesn't even exist per se (laughs) at a scale level.
1: Yes. But it's something that obviously you don't have to build a demand for.
0: Exactly. Right. You will also you will only know when you have built it that is there any demand for it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Most of the times, the business that we are working for already has the supply enough. Mm -hmm. Right. But they're packaging it in a different way. Mm -hmm. So when you're doing that, you need to go and validate the idea. So first build demand. Mm -hmm. First sell the business idea, then go build it. Mm -hmm. Right. So in that case, what you need to do as an entrepreneur on day one is to validate your idea. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Speak to 50 people. I am so surprised that people who actually go into this full fledged don't even take focus group ideas of like 50 people Hmm. and speak, Hey, I have this idea. What do you think? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Right. And they just jump into it. Yeah. I'm not saying that you should speak to 50 people and not take the Thought of actually jumping in, but you should validate it and get their inputs and see what they think about it. Mm. So, study-wise, there's enough content online. Tool-wise, there's enough tools online. Uh, on the execution side, validate the idea, build demand, and while you're doing this, start figuring out your team. Yeah. The co-founders, very very key.
2: Yeah.
0: Right. Once you have done that, start figuring out and telling your family and friends, guys, you can forget about me. And
1: uh. <laughs> so true. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, it sounds like you're an expert at the, uh, MVP process, uh, setting up a business. I, oh, man, I'm realizing we could have, we could have made the whole thing about that. It sounds like you have a wealth of knowledge on that topic. So maybe someday, maybe someday fall off. <laughs> but, um, is there, last thing, is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't, I don't want to miss that just in case there's anything I should have. asked.
0: Uh, no, I think uh, your questions are very well thought, thank you. Mm. Yeah. Um, I definitely believe uh, in one thing that uh, you should keep building your network.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, before you start anything in Asia, you need to come to Asia, mm. be in that market, uh, have friends in that market. Um, this is interesting. One thing that I've never thought and while, while we we're speaking this came up, yeah, awesome. um, if if you think of actually launching in Korea. Yeah. right? Yeah. you should definitely make five korean friends mm. and i can tell you this you will five find five koreans somewhere in the world or specifically if you live in a popular place they're there, there. Right? <laughs> they're there yeah right and they even if they have not lived in korea they probably are more closer to the korean culture than you are
1: yeah yeah right? but to be clear you mean this for any culture
0: in any culture yeah, yeah. yeah. it could be chinese it could be korean mm. it could be indian Uh, I'm just saying like you cannot probably if you've never been to Asia, you can land here stay here for a month for a few months as as long as it can. But if you want to continuously learn about the culture, you need to have friends from